Today, as we Earthlings contemplate the latest achievements in space, it is worth remembering that they are part of the political legacy of President John F. Kennedy. It is also a reminder that all his presidential successors have failed to stress the importance of space as much as JFK did. On May the twenty-fifth, nineteen sixty-one. Kennedy addressed the Congress and called for the United States to take a clearly leading role in space achievements, since in many ways that may hold the key to our future on Earth. JFK then also pleaded for an extra twenty-three million dollars for the development of a rocket, quote, which gives promise of someday providing a means for even more exciting and ambitious exploration of space, perhaps beyond the moon. Perhaps to the very end of the solar system itself. Unquote. These JFK comments came to mind recently as the spacecraft New Horizons completed its flyby of Pluto, and then sped off at thirty-one thousand miles per hour to take a closer look at the icy objects in the Kuiper Belt, which is as near the end of the solar system as makes no difference. Incidentally, it'll be three to four years traveling another billion miles before New Horizons reaches its current destination in the Kuiper Belt. It would have been nice if President Obama had taken note of this historic moment. Perhaps he did, but the press failed to take notice of him. But at least Alan Stern, the chief scientist of the New Horizons Pluto Kuiper Belt mission, caught the historical perspective of the end of an era when he said, quote, "We have completed the initial reconnaissance of the solar system, an endeavor started under President Kennedy more than fifty years ago and continuing today under President Obama." Unquote. Altogether, U.S. spacecraft have explored the inner planets—Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Earth—and the outer planets—Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune—at least once, and sometimes several times, as with Mars and Jupiter. The most distant planet, Pluto, was the last to be explored, and it will be another sixteen months from now before all the insights which New Horizons has gained through its seven instruments have all been transmitted back to Earth. Pluto was demoted to being a dwarf planet soon after the mission started. Already, Alan Stern notes that quote, on the surface of Pluto we see a history of impacts, a history of surface activity in terms of some features we might be able to interpret as tectonic, indicating internal activity on the planet at some point in the past and maybe also in its present. Unquote. New Horizons measured Pluto to be one thousand four hundred seventy-three miles in diameter, a slight increase on previous estimates, and reported that Pluto is officially larger than any known solar system object beyond Neptune. Figures which may be used if there is a move to restore Pluto's full planetary status, as some officials would like. New Horizons photographed and measured Pluto's five moons, four of which were only discovered after the spacecraft had begun this journey from Earth. The probe also discovered a eleven thousand foot high mountain range in Pluto, which may still be in the process of building itself up. 
Alan Stern, the New Horizons leader, was reported saying that New Horizons was the capstone of America's reconnaissance of the solar system. According to the New York Times, Bill Nye, chief executive of the Planetary Society, replied that he preferred to think of the Pluto flyby as having kick-started a new phase of exploration, a search for the end of cosmic loneliness. I really want to find life, Nye said, because if we find life, it would change the course of human history. Too often, amidst the rush and bother of today's frantic life, many vital issues get completely lost of view. Crucial questions are too seldom posed, let alone answered. So it was very stimulating and provocative to log on to a new website after it first appeared on July the 20th and to read two fundamental questions and one straightforward answer about humanity and space. Are we alone? Now is the time to find out. Who are we? This was arresting, to say the least. But so was the open letter that followed those questions, signed, so far, by 31 individuals, many, though not all, leading figures in the world of astronomy. So let me just read to you what I then read. Quote, Are we alone? Now is the time to find out. Who are we? A mature civilization, like a mature individual, must ask itself this question. Is humanity defined by its divisions, its problems, its passing needs and trends? Or do we have a shared face, turned outward to the universe? In 1990, Voyager 1 spacecraft swiveled its camera and captured the pale blue dot, an image of Earth from six billion kilometres away. It was a mirror held up to our planet, home of water, life and minds. A reminder that we share something precious and rare. But how rare, exactly? The only life? The only minds? For the last half century, small groups of scientists have listened valiantly for signs of life in the vast silence. But for government, academia and industry, cosmic questions are astronomically far down the list of priorities. And that lengthens the odds of finding answers. It's hard enough to comb the universe from the edge of the Milky Way. It's harder still from the edge of public consciousness. Yet millions are inspired by these ideas, whether they meet them in science or science fiction. Because the biggest questions of our existence are at stake. Are we the universe's only child? Are thoughts its only thoughts? Or do we have cosmic siblings, an interstellar family of intelligence? As Arthur C. Clarke once said, in either case the idea is quite staggering. That means the search for life is the ultimate win-win endeavour. All we have to do is to take part. Today we have search tools far surpassing those of previous generations. Telescopes can pick out planets across thousands of light years. The magic of Moore's law lets our computers sift data orders of magnitude faster than older mainframes and ever quicker each year. The commentary goes on. These tools are now reaping a harvest of discoveries. In the last few years, astronomers and the Kepler mission have discovered thousands of planets beyond our solar system. It now appears that most stars host a planetary system. Many of them have a planet similar in size to our own, basking in the habitable zone where the temperature permits liquid water. 
There are likely billions of Earth-like worlds in our galaxy alone, and with the instruments now or soon available, we have a chance of finding out if any of these planets are true pale blue dots, home to water, life, and even to mines. There has never been a better moment for a large-scale international effort to find life in the universe. As a civilization, we owe it to ourselves to commit time, resources, and passion to this quest. But as well as a call to action, this is a call to thought. When we find the nearest exo-Earth, should we send a probe? Do we try to make contact with advanced civilizations? Who decides? Individuals, institutions, corporations, or states? Or can we, as a species, as a planet, think together? Three years ago, Voyager One broke the sun's embrace and entered interstellar space. The twentieth century will be remembered for our travels within the solar system. With cooperation and commitment, the present century will be the time when we graduate to the galactic scale, seek other forms of life, and to know more deeply who we are. Unquote. This thoughtful, not to say provocative, commentary appeared in the new website breakthroughinitiatives.org. Both the website and the commentary appeared on July the twentieth, two thousand and fifteen, as Russian businessman and investor Yuri Milner announced at a gathering at the Royal Society London a greatly enhanced search for extraterrestrial intelligence. He pledged one hundred million dollars, backing for his breakthrough initiatives, with which to reinvigorate the search for life in the universe. Yuri Milner, named after Yuri Gagarin, the first man to orbit the Earth, has evidently made a fortune in Silicon Valley by backing startups like that of Facebook. Milner now seeks to spend one hundred million dollars over the next ten years to intensify the so far fruitless search for life beyond planet Earth and beyond its unpopulated solar system. This will be done by using the best radio telescopes to listen for potential radio signals coming from advanced civilizations living far beyond our solar system. The scheme is called Breakthrough Listen. Which will book time at radio telescopes, thereby allowing scientists and astronomers to monitor millions of radio frequencies and to sift their findings—a process which the latest developments in computing make perfectly possible. Milner told a press conference on July the twentieth, "The scope of our search will be unprecedented. A million nearby stars, the galactic centre, the entire plane of the Milky Way, and a hundred nearby galaxies. We have a responsibility to not stop searching. It should always be happening in the background. This is the biggest question. We should, we must be listening." The contrast between past and present is illustrated by Professor Emeritus Frank Drake, as reported by Dennis Overby in the New York Times. Quote, Frank Drake started it all in 1960 when he pointed a radio telescope at a pair of sun-like stars, hoping to hear a "hello." He heard nothing, which has pretty much characterized similar efforts ever since. Unquote. Today, Milner is already negotiating for blocks of time with two of the largest radio telescopes in the world, the Robert C. Byrd Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia, and the CSIRO Parkes Telescope in New South Wales in Australia. 
over by reports in the New York Times that both telescopes have had financial troubles in an era of flat budgets and have been seeking partners to help keep the observatories running. Milner has agreed to underwrite 20% of the cost in return for 20% of the observing time so that astronomers and scientists will be able to spend much more time than previously searching for radio signals. Physicist-cosmologist Stephen Hawking, whose life was featured in the movie The Theory of Everything, and who speaks using a computer-generated voice due to the effects of motor neuron disease, was effectively a co-sponsor of this event. He produced a prepared statement on the breakthrough initiatives, and here it is in full, because in the press you only got a couple of words. Quote, I'm here today because I believe the breakthrough initiatives are critically important. To understand the universe, you must know about atoms, about the forces that bind them, the contours of space and time, the birth and death of stars, the dance of galaxies, the secrets of black holes. But that is not enough. These ideas cannot explain everything. They can explain the light of stars, but not the lights that shine from planet Earth. To understand these lights, you must know about life, about minds. We believe that life arose spontaneously on Earth, so in an infinite universe there must be other occurrences of life. Somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do Earth's lights wander a lifeless cosmos? Unseen beacons announcing that here on one rock the universe discovered its existence. Either way, there is no bigger question. It's time to commit to finding the answer, to search for life beyond Earth. The breakthrough initiatives are making that commitment. We are alive. We are intelligent. We must know. Unquote.